Shared parenting does make it easy. I'm your host, Chris Batchelor, and this is the Parent Time Podcast. Parent Time Podcast is presented by National Parents Organization, a national nonprofit who is working hard to bring shared parenting nationwide. Welcome, everyone. This is Chris from National Parents Organization, and today I'm here with Cam Huffman, who is CEO of the Burdett Group, and they are a lobbying firm out of West Virginia, and we have some fantastic news to share with everybody. Uh, there's been some movement in West Virginia. They actually got their law signed in, in and uh, ready to go, and it's going to take effect later this year. Uh, so, Cam, thank you so much for coming on today. Well, thank you for having us. So, yeah, Cam, give us a rundown. What's going on out there in West Virginia, and uh, in you know, what does that mean for West Virginia parents? So, uh, in West Virginia, uh, effective June the 10th, of this year, uh, West Virginia will become a 50-50 parenting uh, state, meaning uh, when you walk in the court, you will start off with a presumption of 50-50 with uh, that information also being of 50-50 is with clear and convincing evidence as well. So not only are you going to be going in there, but there's going to have to be, there's an evidentiary standard set to that. Um, along with um, lots of other little changes that we ended up doing within this bill. Um, so, yeah, but the big key point being we did finally get our shared parenting bill passed. Well, yeah, that is some fantastic news. And, uh, you know, you're now the third state, I believe, that has a full shared parenting law. Uh, the first was, um, of course, Kentucky, and then Arkansas, and now West Virginia. Um, so that, that must be feel like a pretty big victory um, nationwide to be one of the leading states to pass shared parenting. It, it, it feels great. You know, I'm a father of two daughters, and, um, you know, we've worked this bill for several years now. Um, when we first started, I was referring to it as the 10 hundred days bill. My, my daughter used to say, daddy, I want 10 hundred days with daddy and 10 hundred days with mommy. And so we used to refer to it as the 10 hundred days bill. Um, but yeah, we, we are the third state, although I do believe that we are the only state that you are required to have clear and convincing evidence uh, when walking into court. Now, a, a lot of the, the pushback we've received on it is, um, you know, you still, they still take into consideration domestic violence, drug use. This, this is a presumption of 50-50 for fit parents. If they walk in the door and you have, you know, any evidence at all, you know, a domestic violence petition or, uh, you know, uh, DUIs or, you know, that sort of stuff, all that still comes into play. And that actually is a, considered a factor when you walk in the door. Now, the other factors that are considered when you do walk in the door is that if those are false allegations, those can actually come back to bite the person that ended up filing false allegations to try to game the system, which we all know is referred to as the silver bullet. Yeah. And that, that happens so much across the board nationally in, in cases, you know, uh, because really there, there is not, not anything that uh, judges or lawyers do when, when somebody comes in with a false claim and it's been such a such a huge problem. I'm very excited to see West Virginia take a step in, in the right direction to make sure that you know people are being truthful in court, which you would think would be the whole point of going to court, right? Well, when, when we discussed, uh, yeah, I've talked to a bailiff in the family court system here in my own county, and he said in 30 years, no judge has ever pursued a uh, 
a um, uh, perjury case in, in family court. It just doesn't happen. And uh, this doesn't lay out what would happen per se and, and how it goes about. It's just to be considered a considering factor that the judge can take into consideration if it comes out to be factual that it was not a factual filing. Yeah, I think that's definitely a step in the right direction. Um, I mean, I've often said if you find the lawyers for bringing false allegations, then the, the false allegations would, would stop pretty quickly. Um, but let, let's go in. I want to talk a little bit about what were the challenges, um, you know, of getting this bill passed. And, and maybe you can give us a little bit of history. I know we were talking before we started recording. Um, you guys really didn't do this all at once. There was several smaller steps that happened along the way. So uh, tell me, you know, really, how did you get here and what were some of the challenges that you had to overcome? Sure. So, you know, it's an incremental game. You know, I mean, any changes you make, it, it takes education. You're going to have to educate your legislature. You have to not not while just educating. You, you have to respond to what other organizations or people are saying about uh, about your legislation. We had several judges uh, or a couple judges uh, speak against the legislation. We had uh, several lawyers speak against it. Um, although we did have other lawyers contacting us privately saying, well, this is a great bill, but you know, I can't, I can't necessarily go push for it um, because of what my peers will say. Um, and now that it's passed, naysayers that I spoke to before, like, oh, well, this is a better bill than the one that didn't get passed in previous years. Well, actually, this is a more stringent bill than the ones that we've had for prior years. So um, it's, it's big business. I mean, it's big money. And what better bargaining chip does an attorney have than a child? I, I, I mean, you know, when you get down to it, it's that's the heartache. We ran into domestic violence groups being an issue. Um, but I mean, we have the stats from, uh, from uh, Kentucky about what's happened with, with uh, domestic violence there. Um, and plus we try to address it and say, listen, domestic violence is not an issue when it comes to this bill because we never change that portion. If there's domestic violence, it still throws out the 50-50 presumption when you walk in the door. A lot of the discussions I have with legislators, and I know there's a difference between criminal law and civil law. Criminal law, you're innocent until proven guilty in a case of murder. But in civil court, I can't be considered a father or a mother until I have to prove otherwise when you walk in the door. It, it, it's, just, it's just crazy. So we started back, um, at least I started back in 2018, uh, whenever I started going through a, a divorce prior. Um, and in 2018, the legislation that we kind of floated out there uh, was the, the friendly parent factor, uh, just stating that they would take into consideration when uh, determining custody, um, who would encourage a meaningful and positive relationship with the other parent. Um, so that was really kind of how we started off um, with ours to, as long along with educating and whatnot. Uh, in 2019, uh, we couldn't get anybody to consider really pushing for a 50-50 bill. Uh, no committee was willing to take it up. Uh, in 2020, 
Uh, we had House Bill 4648, um, and uh, it ended up dying on the last night of session. Uh, we, we didn't end up getting it clear through. Uh, we did get it through uh, the, uh, the House, the delegates. We didn't have a, um, the first year, we ended up running it through uh, two committees in the House prior to running it on the, on the Senate or the uh, House floor. The next year, they eliminated even sending it to the Children's and Families Committee and sent it straight to the judiciary. The uh, Children's and Families Committee said, listen, we understand it. We're for it. There's no sense in tying it up in another committee meeting. Let's get it moving. Um, so the last two years prior to this year, we had a supermajority in the House of Delegates, and it kept dying in uh, the West Virginia Senate. Um, lawyers being in the Senate were, the, to be honest, the issue. And uh, so this year we ran the bill in uh, the House of Delegates and the exact same bill in the West Virginia Senate, a little bit of a strategic plan so that they weren't sure which bill would we would focus on. A lot of people would assume that we would push for the House bill again because we had a supermajority the last two prior two years. So what we did is we ran it in the Senate side and we loaded it up. We ended up getting 11 sponsors on the Senate bill um, and kind of ran it through committee and didn't let time become the factor that killed us as it had been done the two previous years and then worked it through um, the House of Delegates and finally ended up with some tweaks. And actually, it's a better bill. Uh, got some tweaks and stuff done to the legislation. This bill does not open up past cases in West Virginia. So if you already have your case settled, this bill alone doesn't open it back up. Although the way we have it established is if there is any modification to your plan or your parenting plan, it opens up the new code. They didn't want to slam the courts with everybody coming in just because of a new law passed. But if you go in for a modification, and plus there's going to be people that, I mean, you're going to have children time out <laughs> after a period of time. They're just, they aged out of the system. Two, you have people that have finally agreed and whatnot. Um, so there's other factors that would come into play on that. But ultimately, even the new code will affect old cases as long as you're still pushing for that. Uh, those modifications and whatnot as well. Yeah, I think that is really reasonable. And there, there certainly are enough reasons to go open up old cases to modify them. So, um, you know, I think that's uh, ultimately going to end up helping a lot of West Virginia families, uh, not just the ones that are, are divorcing from, you know, this point forward. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, about your company, the Burdett Group, and what you do and um, how you help uh, grassroots organizations like National Parents Organization um, to get a law passed because, uh, I, you know, I think in our organization, we're, we're really a grassroots organization. We have a lot of volunteers, um, but we're a little shy on the, on the uh, you know, actual, uh, we have a lot of, you know, moms and dads and, and grandmothers and, and grandfathers and things like that, but we're not necessarily um, 
you know, very strong in the, the legal aspect of things, which is, is usually where we end up getting a lot of resistance. So um, how does, you know, how did the Burdett group work with National Parents Organization or other groups in West Virginia? And, and what advice would you have for, uh, you know, a grassroots organization to engage with a company like yours uh, to help get uh, a law like this over the finish line? No, absolutely. So um, how to get engaged with a, a, a GR firm, government relations firm, our lobbyists. Um, so in West Virginia, I have other clients that I represent. Obviously, it's my, my, my business. I can't necessarily represent a client through the state's ethics commission unless I have a client. So in West Virginia, I ended up uh, paying out of my own pocket, uh, partnered up with the National Parents Organization as uh, the organization that would represent me on these, or that I would represent on this issue, uh, paid my filing fees and, and whatnot um, as a conduit, as well as National Parents Organization has great research. I mean, whenever I was out looking for information to begin with, that's who I fell in with. And uh, Matt Hale um, helped me get connected. Um, we ended up getting me registered and you know, away we went locally. Um, I think uh, another state, if you have, I mean, with divorce rates as high as they are, I mean, it's a little bit like cancer. I mean, everybody knows somebody that's been through it and um, you just need to, to start talking to people. You know, we start Facebook pages and discuss, you know, local groups. You know, we have a West Virginia shared, uh, for shared parenting group. Uh, that started up uh, last or the year before or last year. Um, and uh, we partnered up with them because it was just like-minded people. And um, it's a passion. Um, you definitely, we made sure that um, we stayed on point. We had bullet points. If there were people that were not a good face for our organization or, or our group, um, we had to make that hard call sometimes and out and, and get them out of the group. Um, we were always to be courteous, respectful and education. And, and that's how we, we had to do it. I told him, I said, guys, never lie to a legislator. You know what, it, what you have is your word and your credibility and you can't be going around. We're not going to bash other organizations. We're not going to, um, you know, lie about what's going on. We're going to be personal in at when it comes to what has happened to us in regards to the system. Um, so I would, you know, start talking to, to people and start finding out. Um, I've actually spoke to Matt Hill. I think at some point uh, Matt and I discussed um, NPO and me working with NPO and other um, states to, to do trainings on how to, uh, best effective, uh, uh, affect public policy. So, um, so we as an organization might be in that a little bit. So, um, yeah, definitely, I, you know, it's personal. Definitely. We had a strong group. We had about a thousand people in our shared parenting, West Virginia's for shared parenting group. Although we had really a core of, uh, about eight, eight families. I mean, really, that had private group messages going. And um, it was important for me, especially this year, 
to stay behind the scenes. They've heard, the legislators have heard from me a lot and they know this is my business. So, you know, one, I have to go in and explain to them, listen, this is pro bono. I'm not doing this for, I'm not doing this for pay. You know, I'm doing this as a passion and I'm doing it for my children and West Virginia's children. Um, but, you know, I ended up taking a little bit of a step back this year and, and last year and really kind of walked them through the processes and worked with them in the group saying, contact these group, contact this, you know, these members of the committee, uh, start calling the center president's office. This is where we are with our bill. This is what's happening with our bill. And, um, you know, really just trying to, when you're working with a small organization, you, you need to make sure they're West Virginians or whatever state. They need to hear your story. We didn't send out canned responses like our our uh, opposition was. You know, they would have a canned letter and people would just send it and, from their own email. You know, we had person we had people writing personal emails about their personal stories, and it was not. It was definitely something that you could tell it wasn't phoned in. Yeah, I think that that grassroots response is really powerful uh, when you're talking about these social issues. Um, and, and the advice you've given is, is exactly what I've heard, you know, uh, from other states, you really just have to get out there, you have to pound the pavement, it's 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 building these personal relationships with legislators, and, and letting them know your story and, and, and why this is important to you. Um, I, I think that's just, it's, it's so powerful that, you know, when you, when you are able to connect with these legislators, they, they really do listen to you. And, uh, I think a lot of people think that, you know, uh, it, that their voices aren't being heard, but, but they certainly are. And I think we're starting to see that now that, uh, we've had several States here, you know, with, you know, your state being the latest, uh, you know, passing this legislation. Yeah. You know, when you don't have either because, you know, we're all volunteer. We have no money, so we can't go out and buy ads. We did our own fundraising uh, campaign through um, uh, West Virginia's for Shared Parenting with NPO to end up running our poll. Um, you know, so really it's it's it has to be about the passion and getting people to to get out there and do the legwork. And, and that's the hard part. But it's really kind of the easy part as well, because at the end of the day, we're talking about our children and, and who's not willing to get out there. We just have to provide them with the tools and help them walk them through the process so that they can share their tools. So with, with the West Virginia law being uh, as strong as it is, is there any legislation that's sort of left on the table that you're going to go after in the future? Or uh, do, you, do you feel like we're in a good state right now? you can always improve. There's no such thing as a perfect bill for one thing. And at the end of the day, this is something we're going to always be reviewing and, and making better. I mean, you got to think um, in West Virginia, we really hadn't made any major changes to custody law since the nineties. So, I mean, you know, cultures change, uh, you know, the, um, before this year's bill, last year's bill, we ended up taking it from a caretaking function to a caretaking and parenting function so that they would take into consideration if you provided insurance for the family, if you provided a house and food and all that, they never took that into consideration. So prior to getting 50-50 legislation passed, we ended up having a parenting factor added uh, in, uh, was it, House Bill 2363. So 
Um, yeah, there's always ways to make it better. What I would like to, to focus on is making sure that um, it, part of it's an education thing. We're going to end up sending out uh, through MPO to all the um, judges in West Virginia, the current law, so that they know what the new law is, because it could take a while before ever it's, a, you know, all of them realize what's even going on. So there will be some of that. We would like to address the use of um, lying in family court when it comes to using the silver bullet method of uh, domestic violence and sexual abuse and, and you know, one judge in West Virginia even testified that she has in her court several children um, that um, parents in a couple cases have come in and claimed sexual abuse. And these children have had to go to physicians numerous times. And then it's very scarring and traumatic for this child to have to go through this procedure. But yet they know it's these are not, you know, <laughs> real issues. So we want to protect the children. Why, you know, if they have that much discretion as a judge and it's not being addressed, then we need to provide them guidance on how to address it. Yeah, absolutely believe that that is, is one of the key factors in why we absolutely need chair parenting laws is because there are, you know, really is so much um, uh, shenanigans, let's say, that goes on in family court. Um, and, and, and addressing that in the future, I think, would be really, uh, really important. Is, is there anything else, uh, that you want to tell the audience out there before we, uh, leave it off? Uh, you know what? Um, if, uh, if there's anything that any other States are, uh, or organizations looking to get into this, you know, I, I'm available. If they'd like to contact me, they can get my contact information through, uh, NPO or NPO at West Virginia. Um, this is definitely, um, uh, even though I currently do now have 50-50 custody of, of my children, of my two girls, uh, almost a six-year battle, um, this is something that I had no clue of how bad the system was until I was thrown into it. Um, and it needs changed, and I'm not going anywhere. Uh, this is going to be one of those things that uh, we are going to continue to fight and make it better for, for children. Because at the end of the day, um, that's what really matters is the children and not being able to use them. As one attorney told me here in West Virginia, they're just a way to, as a pawn to make money. And we're going to try to put a stop to it. Well, we certainly appreciate all the work that you've done in West Virginia and that, you know, nationally that you're doing. Um, tell us where can people find you out there on the web? I know you've got a website and uh, are you on social media? Uh, yes. Uh, I'm on uh, Facebook. I'm on uh, LinkedIn uh, at, uh, Cam Huffman, uh, the Burdett group. Um, my website is burdettgroup.com. Um, and, uh, just feel free to look me up. I, I've even helped one gentleman who had his daughter taken clear to, um, another country and trying to get her back into the U S uh, where the mother ended up just kind of fleeing and, and, uh, not helping out or not abiding by court orders. So um, children are a real passion of mine having two little girls and, and I understand how devastating it can be. Um, and uh, I just, I want to make sure that us being a national parents organization, that we are not just a parents organization focused on parents' rights. We're really focused on 
the rights for children to parents. Well, Cam, thank you so much for coming on today. And we'll put links to all of your uh, websites and social media there in the notes here of the video. And we encourage people to look up and uh, contact with you. And uh, again, uh, congratulations on West Virginia, you know, uh, making it past the finish line. I think uh, it's going to be, you know, first in a long list of states that uh, hopefully in the next couple of years here, we can uh, we can add to that list. Well, I, I hope so. And anything that I can do to be part of that and to uh, and if any other states have other legislation on parental alienation or um, any type of uh, uh, thing to help combat the, the silver bullet or whatnot. Please share it with uh, me, share it with other states, um, because that's how it, it, it just makes it much easier to take previous states' information and help share it. Well, Cam, thanks so much for coming on. We look forward to talking with you again. Well, I'll talk to you soon. I appreciate it. Now, that was recorded on video, so if you want to go ahead and watch the video, you can find the link in the show notes. It's on YouTube. And if you have any questions, you can contact National Parents Organization at sharedparenting.org. Don't forget to like National Parents Organization on social media. Just go ahead and do a Facebook search for National Parents Organization and smash the like button. You're also going to find several Facebook pages for different state chapters, so go ahead and like those pages as well. And don't forget you can also follow National Parents Organization on Twitter or LinkedIn. The links to those social media sites are on the sharedparenting.org website. If you're passionate about shared parenting, the best thing you can do is get involved. And the best way to do that is by contacting your state chapter. If you head over to the sharedparenting.org website, you can find the links to your state chapter and then contact them directly to take action and volunteer. We could also use your help with donations. National Parents Organization is a nationally recognized nonprofit registered in Massachusetts. To donate, visit sharedparenting.org and click the Take Action and then Donate. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Tell us what you think on social media or by going to the sharedparenting.org website and sending us a message. Fill out that contact form and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear about what you think about the show or what you want to hear on the show, that sorts of thing. So go ahead and, and send us a message. Until the next episode, I'm your host, Chris Batchelor. Thanks for listening, and together we can help bring shared parenting nationwide. <laughs> <laughs>